Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. If you know this song, you might be old. I'm just throwing that out to you at the very beginning, all right, if you know this song, although this song has stood the test of time. Uh, see if you know this song and try not to sing on the chorus part of it. You might not get it on the verse right away, but it says this, just yesterday morning they let you know, let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they put, uh, they made put an end to you. I walked out this morning and I wrote down this song. I just can't remember who to send it to. Does anybody know that one? What's the next part of it? I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend, but I always thought that I'd see you again. The second verse goes, won't you look down upon me, Jesus? You've got to help me make a stand. You've got to see me through another day. My body's aching and my time is at hand, and I won't make it any other way. Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. And I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend, but I always thought that I would see you again. And the third verse, been walking my mind to an easy time, my back turned towards the sun, Lord knows. When the cold wind blows, I'll turn your head around. Well, there's hours of time on the telephone line to talk about things to come. Sweet dreams and flying machines in pieces on the ground. Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend, but I always thought that I would see you again. Who wrote it and sang it? James Taylor. Taylor. Okay. I don't know if you know this part of it. Well, first of all, it was written 52 years ago. And those that remember when it came out say, ouch, ouch. And say, wow, these seats aren't as comfortable as they used to be. But 52 years ago, that song came out. But each of the three verses is about something else that happened in his life. The first verse is about the suicide of a friend. That's Suzanne. And he was in the middle of recording in England at the time that she passed. And technology wasn't what it is in 1970. They didn't tell him till over a, a month later because they didn't want to distract him from his recording. And so he didn't know who to send it to was part of that idea. He didn't even know that his friend had passed. The second verse is about him coming through his heroin addiction. And that's when he calls out to God, I I need your help uh, at this particular time. And the third verse is about being in a mental hospital recovering from the uh, addiction to heroin. I don't know if you knew all of that. But when you look at that and it says, I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end and I've had lonely times where I could not find a friend, we we see that James Taylor had been through some stuff. Now, I don't know that any of you have been through the same stuff that James Taylor went through, but we've all been through some some stuff. We've had times of celebration where the sun was shining and, and we just thought that it would never end. And we've had times of sorrow, and we like to say trials, troubles, and tears, where it seemed like we were all alone and, and, and couldn't find a friend. Well, I want to tell you something important today, and this is, this, is, this is eternally important, that no matter whether you're celebrating or you're in sorrow, Jesus is there with you 
and He will help you through those times. The passage that Pastor Rose shared from and the one I'm going to be preaching from today, uh, it goes hand in hand with the story of the wedding at Cana. Now Jesus had performed many miracles in the first four uh, chapters of the book of John, but they're not all listed as a sign. The first sign miracle was the wedding at Cana where He revealed a part of His glory. There were other miracles to take place. And then, but this one is the second sign miracle. And so by in, 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 in structuring the, the verses and the chapters in that way, what God was showing us is that Jesus is there for the celebration, that's the wedding at Cana, and for the sorrow, this desperate man whose son was sick. And so we're going to look at this desperate man. We would call him maybe a nobleman. He was in the royal court. And we're going to see how Jesus dealt with him. By the time we get to this part of the passage in chapter 4, Jesus had interacted with many people from many different parts of society. He had won just laborers, not just laborers, but laborers uh, from Galilee. He had ministered to the wedding guests, of which there was all sorts of different people from the community. He had already talked to a ruler of the Pharisees in chapter 3 named Nicodemus. Now that was a very uh, powerful religious leader in that time. And now, oh, and then from Nicodemus to the Samaritan woman that was maybe in their time at the lowest rung because of her lifestyle and choices that she made now we find this royal officer had come to Jesus seeking help. And I love this picture of Jesus. And I think this is the picture of Jesus that we as the church need to portray in our world today. And that's that Jesus loves everyone. And He doesn't, come, he doesn't care where you came from. He doesn't care what you've been through. He's there. And that anyone that comes to Him, He will in no wise cast out. I don't know that it's our role as a church to be the judge, jury, and executioner. I think it's our role as a church to be seed thrower. And that's what we do. We just throw seeds. We tell people about the Lord. We tell people about Jesus. We tell people about the difference that He's made in our lives. We tell them about the difficulties that we face. We tell them realistically that I've seen fire and I've seen rain. And I've also seen sunny days. You know, I've been through good times, I've been through bad times, and at every point Jesus was there for me. And then we let the work of the Holy Spirit work. And there's an important concept in that, is that we have to be careful that we're not trying to play God. We're just trying to point people to God. And when we make the mistake of playing God, we actually do more harm than we do good. See, we're just seed throwers. And then we leave it to that person to respond uh, uh, based on the, the soil of their heart. And you'll understand that if you know the passage. So here's Jesus me meeting with people, loving on people from different places, different backgrounds, different economic status, educational status, different stories. Same Savior. See, if we went around this room today, it would be the same for us. We come from different places and different backgrounds, been through different situations, but we have the same Savior, and His name is, is Jesus. 
So now we're told about this government official. He was most likely a Gentile. And I, I bring that out because in the religiosity of the first century, there was a, a major distinction between Jew, the Jews and the Gentiles. Okay? So he was most likely Gentile. And Jesus was going to present himself, he kind of did in, to the Samaritan woman, as the Jewish Messiah. And Judaism, they would never interact with the Gentile. But see, Jesus didn't care about that. See, he didn't care about the labels that uh, society put on people. He cared about people. See that? See that? So he was most likely, this nobleman, most likely a, a Gentile working for the Romans. He had a high position, possibly a royal position, working for King Herod. But Jesus didn't care, and Jesus doesn't care. Who does Jesus love? He loves everyone created in the image of God. Who's created in the image of God? Everyone. I think Jesus can look past all of these things that we place on one another. He looks past all of that and he sees a bit of the image of his Father in everyone. Now in some he sees the, the havoc and the destruction that the enemy has caused in this soul. But there's a, there's a glimpse of the Father in every soul. And if I can just take this, this little side road here, maybe we all, myself included, would be better off instead of finding the faults in people, finding the Father in people. Now, sometimes we have to dig deep. Because sometimes people have a lot of faults. And they're right on the surface. But somewhere in there is the image of the Father. So let's, let's do this on the 4th of July, and it'll help set you free as well. Let's stop looking for people's faults, and let's start looking for the Father in them. And let God do His work in their hearts and in their lives. Jesus doesn't care where you are, where you come from, what you've done. He just wants you to come to Him and experience His love so this Roman official had heard about Jesus, and he heard about him because of the water into wine. Like if you were a wedding and then you find out that, that, they, that you ran out of wine, and there's, I'll just say hundreds of guests because probably the whole community was there, and then all of a sudden uh, there was no wine, and then all of a sudden there was hundreds of gallons of wine, and it was the best wine anyone had ever tasted, and Jesus did that, word would travel. You don't need necessarily uh, the, the technology that we have for the word to travel. One person would tell another person, and through their connections they would tell another person. So here's this Roman official that had heard about Jesus. Then he finds out that Jesus was going to be in his region. That Jesus was back in Cana where the first sign miracle occurred. So the official travels from Capernaum to Cana. Now, I'm not a guy that usually gets into the geography of, of Scripture. It's a good thing. I, that's just not usually where my mind goes. I have a general idea of first century Israel, where things were, but don't, don't put it all together and don't understand mileage. But it's important to understand the mileage here because Capernaum was in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 miles away from Cana. Now, in our day, that's nothing. I would say from here, 20 miles one way is Deptford. And 20 miles towards the shore is May's Landing, uh, which is where the family life gathering will be on July 24th. I'll just throw that out there. You're welcome. Okay? 
But within 20 miles, for us, it's nothing. You get it in the car, you go down 40, you go up 55, but, but not here. 20 miles was a journey, and it needed to be planned out a proper, properly. And so this wealthy man had people working for him. He could have said, there's a guy named Jesus in Cana. Go get him and bring him back. But he didn't. He went himself. And why did he go himself? Because his son was sick. And I'll break it down very simply. When your children are sick, everything else stops. When your kids, grandkids are sick, nothing else matters. When you have a whole agenda of your day or of your week or of your month or of your life, it all gets cast aside when your children are sick. And so this man had heard about Jesus, so he travels 20 to 25 miles. If he walked, I mean, it was a huge walk through rough terrain and temperatures and, and all of that with a group of people he probably did. If he had a horse and he rode on a horse, I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, but it still would have taken five hours on a horse. Very difficult travel. Here's my point in all of this. The man was desperate to get to Jesus. And it's easy to understand why. Because his, his son was sick. He was desperate to get to Jesus. As I said, when your kids are sick, you'll stop at anything. When your family member is sick, when your spouse is sick, whatever the case might be, everything else becomes secondary. So he comes to Jesus and he says, listen, my son is dying. Come to Capernaum and heal my son. Okay? So the man had some faith. He had enough faith to travel, let's say, 25 miles to get to Jesus, but he didn't fully understand who Jesus was. He thought maybe Jesus, a rabbi, uh, uh, some type of miracle worker, but he didn't know who Jesus really was. And what John wants everyone to know is that Jesus is the Son of God. He had some faith, but not a full understanding, because he, felt, he, he thought that Jesus had to come to where he was, lay hands on his son, or something like that, in order for his son to be healed. But Jesus is the Son of God, and he's not deterred, affected, interrupted by space or by time. Now watch these two miracles. The first one, he dealt in the molecular realm. Okay? He took water, did this, whatever happens in a chemical reaction, you like that one, huh, Mel? Did this. She teaches fifth grade. She thought she was teaching again. He did this, and all of a sudden it comes out wine. I mean, it's, un it's unbelievable what he was able to do in the molecular realm. Now, like I'm afraid to use my hands now, but anyway, now, now he's showing that he's not limited by time or space. See, when I'm here, I'm here. And when you're there, you're, you're there. And if I wanted to just say, shake Ray's hand, I would have to come off the platform and go to him and do that. See, but Jesus is not limited by any of that. Because he's God. See? He's God. And John is showing us through that. Wait, does that mean that I can pray for someone else and Jesus can heal them wherever they're at? Yes. That's exactly what it means. Does it mean, that I said this on the online service today... I said, does that mean that Jesus could come visit you wherever you're watching? 
right now and touch your heart and life? And the answer is yes. Because he's not limited by, by time or space. It means that Jesus can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. That Jesus is all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing. He can do whatever he wants to do because he's God. The other part of him being God is, this is an important part. It's this, he knows what is best and he knows what is right for all eternity. See, that's where we jump off because we don't understand time and space and eternity. We want God to heal now. Right at this moment, heal me right now. He doesn't always do that. But I can tell you this with confidence, every believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that has been forgiven by His finished work on the cross will be healed for all eternity. There's not one person that goes to heaven in a wheelchair or a walker. There's not one person that goes to heaven being wheeled in on a gurney. He heals us completely and forever. Our problem is, is that we can't see it happen and so we think since we can't see it happening, then it's not happening. And this is where Jesus gives us this huge teaching. You've got to see this and you've got to watch this. It'll change your life if you catch this. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? So dude travels in desperation 25 miles he gets to Jesus, says, heal my son. And Jesus said, will you never believe if you, if, you, if you don't see? Now, Jesus was speaking to the man and to the crowd. If you look at the context of that chapter, I don't have time to get into it. Uh, they were wanting a sign and wonders, but not necessarily a right relationship with God. And we see that throughout. When we get to chapter 6 in a couple weeks, we'll see it. They wanted to be fed, but they didn't want to have the faith to serve. See, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to get, get into all that. Uh, but they, because here's how their minds worked, and maybe even this man's mind worked, and maybe yours today. If I see, then I'll believe. But Jesus said, if you believe, then you'll see. Well, if I just see Jesus do something miraculous, then I'll believe in him. You know what Jesus taught? He said, even if Moses came down from heaven and went to that person in Hades, they still wouldn't believe. Because if they didn't believe the law and the prophet, they wouldn't believe that. But our world says, and we, we, we just established this idea in our culture, oh, if I see it, then I'll believe it. Seeing is believing. No, in Christianity, believing is seeing. You see that? And so Jesus tells him, uh, if you believe, then you will see. And then Jesus told him, go back home, verse 50, and your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus had said. And he started home. He believed what Jesus said. Believing is seeing. Not waiting to see and then believe. So what did the man do? Did he beg Jesus to come with him? Nope. He simply obeyed. He turned around with his people and he went home. Now watch what happens. This is so exciting. This is a great part of the, of the, the, the passage here. On his way home, he runs into his servants. Because they were coming to tell him what had happened and he was going home to see what had happened. 
And they meet somewhere, and the servants come back and says, We have good news for you. Your son is healed. He's going to live. He's doing well. And the, the ruler says this, what, what time did that happen? Well, about 1 o'clock yesterday, based on the sun. About 1 o'clock. Jesus said, or the man said, oh, 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 hold on now. Because I was, I was just with Jesus at that time. And you mean that when he said, go and your son will live at that very moment my son was healed? And the servant said, yes, it was at that very moment. And you know why that could happen? Because Jesus is the son of God and he's not limited by time or space. He's greater than anything we could ever ask or anything that we could ever imagine. So what can we learn from this story? We'll call them life's lessons. Okay? Life's lessons. Number one, get to Jesus. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, whatever choices you've made, whatever decisions you've made, get to Jesus. And get to him no matter what it takes. Now, I've been pastoring for many years, many. Actually, I've been pastoring longer than Rose been born, okay? So that's why it makes me feel old, and that's true. I've been in full-time ministry every day of my life for longer than Pastor Roe has been born, and that, that is hurtful, just saying that. <laughs> so I've experienced and encountered many things, and one of the things that I've encountered, and I'm not speaking of anyone in particular, and if you've ever done this, I apologize because it's not your name on my mind. There's, it's a generality I'm making here. But someone will come to me right when I'm getting ready to start the service or get to the pulpit. And it's even worse now because I get the online service and I have to finish up what I'm doing online to get the audio and turn the, everything off in the studio and, and get to the service. And, you know, I don't take what I do lightly. I, I, don't, I don't take myself too seriously, but I take what I do very, very seriously. And I believe that this time that we're together on Sunday mornings could be the most important moment in someone's eternity. And so when I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. Okay? Uh, not that I'm comparing myself to LeBron James, but when they're getting ready to tip off and he's in the championship uh, game... They don't come running out of the stands and say, hey, LeBron, how's it going? He says, I can't talk now. And then they never buy a ticket again. Your church people will catch that one. But I'm ready to go, you know. And so I have people come up to me and I get it. It's no problem. Here's my response. No, I, I, I get it. And I'm happy to meet with you after the service when I have a little bit more time and I can give you my fuller attention just stay after the service, come up, and uh, because if I try to get to the back, it just, you know, won't work. But if you come up, I'm happy to, to pray with you and just spend, spend some time with you. And you know what response I get often? Oh, I can't stay after church because I have a party. <laughs> that might not be the desperation to get to Jesus that we need. Because Jesus is greater than our convenience. Jesus wants to see, not that it's based on our effort, but he wants to see some commitment. Otherwise, we just fall into the same trap as all the people that he fed. 
They wanted to be fed, 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 fed. He said, well, if you want to follow me, and they all left him. And he looked at his disciples and said, you guys leaving too? Jesus didn't chase after any of them. Why? Because their commitment wasn't at the level that he needed it to be. Listen, it's not desperation if you've got to get to somebody at your convenience and at your time, but you've got a party to go to. Got something on a stove. That might not be the desperation that we need about getting to Jesus. Maybe he shouldn't be the last resort. Maybe he should be the first one that we run to. And we do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. I'll throw this out there while I'm being rude. <laughs> Your first priority is not to get to me. I'm only a pointer. I just point to Jesus. I have no power whatsoever. No power. I just point people to Jesus. I'm happy to do that, to partner with you. But if you think, oh, I got to get to the pastor, I got to get to the pastor, I got to get to a pastor, I got to get to a pastor. No, you got to get to Jesus. To Jesus. All right. <laughs> Number two, learn from Jesus. Because he wants to teach you through every trial, trouble, and tear. He'll teach you through that. And here's what he'll teach you. He'll teach you that he loves you. That's what he'll teach you. And he wants what's best for you. And even his prohibitions, the things we shouldn't do, are for our provision and protection that he can bless us and we would live a blessed life I, I see people not, not in church but just all over the place uh, just making horrendous decisions and I, I want to start a new uh, and then this shows how old I am we don't even have phone hotlines anymore but if, if we had those how many remember phone Hotlines, and you would call this for help or whatever. A couple of you in the back, you're too young to even remember that. Get out of here. But anyway, I would start a hotline because I like, like, even like some of my kids' friends and stuff, they make these horrendous and just talking in conversation. I'm like, I have got to start a 1 800 give Pastor Sabella a call, okay, and charge a dollar per second. And I would be rich beyond belief because most of the answers are the same. That's really stupid. Don't do it. <laughs> yes or no? If we could go back and relive some of the decisions that we've made, how many would say, I wish I had pastor, pastor's hotline that he could have spoken into my life saying, that's really stupid. Don't do it. We have to get to Jesus and we have to, to, to learn from Jesus. And, and when he says that's really stupid, don't do it, it's because he has your best in mind. And what Jesus can see that you can't see is he sees the ripple effects of your decisions. He sees the consequences. 
I don't know about you, but life is hard enough, much less bringing any extra drama to my life. Life is hard as it is, and maybe it's just me. And then other people that like want to bring other people's drama in their life, that I completely can't understand. Because your life must be a lot easier than my life if you welcome other people's drama. Learn from Jesus because what he wants to teach you is about his love and he wants to show you the best way to live that's best for you, best for your family, best for the kingdom because he has good things in store for you. All right. Number three. So first one, get to Jesus. Second, learn from Jesus. Third, obey Jesus. Obey Jesus. He told the guy, go. And what did the guy do? That's all. He said, go home. The guy, okay. <laughs> How many times have I run into the yabbit? Did you ever have a yabbit in your life? Yeah, but God. Yeah, but God. Yeah, but, yeah, but. Yeah, but, no, go. Yeah, but, no. Here's a Gentile that didn't grow up in church. Knew nothing of the one true God, for the most part. Desperate to get to Jesus. Didn't fully understand. But Jesus said, go, and he went. He obeyed Jesus. We must obey Jesus. We must obey his written word. And we must have an understanding of his ways. His word and his ways. Why does he say no to certain things? And if you understand why he says no to certain things, it's because he has something better for you. Okay? No to immorality because marriage is better. See, no to murder because life is better. See, no to stealing because God will provide. All right, real quick, real quick, and I'm almost semi-done. I've told you this before, but please catch this. All of the Ten Commandments, if we were to break down God's laws into those Ten Commandments, have something to do with the nature and character of God. That's why when we sin and we break those laws, we're going against the nature and the character of God. Why? Do not steal. Why? Because God will provide for all of your needs. You don't have to steal. Do not kill. Why? Because God is a God of life. Do not commit adultery. Why? Because the spouse that God has given you is his plan A for your life. So anybody you know, that thinks, well, I might have married the wrong person. No, when you married them, they became the right person. That's how it works. I do. There you go. That, that, that's how it works. There you go. So just be careful before you say, I do. That's the point of it. 1-800-CALL-PASTOR-SABELLA for wise advice. Last. Number four. Let Jesus be God. Because you ain't him. You can spell that out. Your spell checker on your phone. Let Jesus be God. His timing is not ours. His ways are not ours. 
What we're required to do is to relinquish control and let God be God. God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. That's faith. God, I haven't seen it happen yet, but I'm going to keep walking with you. That's faith. That's persevering faith. Perseverance only comes through unanswered prayers. Check out Romans chapter 5. If God answered every prayer the first time we prayed it, first of all, we would be bratty children. Second of all, we would never grow beyond a certain point. God is sometimes the God of unanswered prayer because he knows what's best. But as we continue to walk in, in him and with him, we learn something even more important. That's perseverance. It says, perseverance leads to hope. And that's what we're all about. Hoping in a better day. Let Jesus be God. His timing's not ours. His ways are not ours. Turn over control of everything to God and let God be God. At the essence of all of our sin is that we want to be God. And we're not. And we're not good for ourselves. But he is. Because he's Jesus. He's the son of God. He's unlimited, not just in power, but in love. He loves you. I got this all mixed up for 30 some years of preaching and teaching. I got it all mixed up until two weeks ago. I used to try to encourage people, love God, love God, love God. Now I encourage people to understand the love of God. Understand how much he loves you. And you will naturally just love him. And our inadequacies and our faults and our failures and our poor decisions is because we don't understand how much God loves us. All right. So here's dude. He was not allowed to be called dude in his circles, the nobleman, but he, he's dead now, so I can call him dude. Man of position, power, part of Herod's court. In his realm, if he spoke the word, that was enough. But his son was sick, and that changed everything. And he, didn't, he knew it didn't matter how much power, prestige, or people he had. He needed someone. And he had heard about Jesus. And he'd heard Jesus was going to be in the region. And he said, I got to get to Jesus. And they, they said, it's too far. And he goes, nothing's too far for my son. Well, what if you can't find it? We'll, we'll, we'll find him. What if he doesn't have time when you get, well, he'll, he'll have time. And he gets to Jesus. He says, my son is dying. And Jesus says, listen, you're, you're wanting to see and then you'll believe. I'm telling you, you got to believe and then you'll see. Now go, and your son is healed. And dude turned around and went, and he met his servants, and he found out that at the exact moment that Jesus spoke the word, his son was completely, miraculously, divinely healed, because that's the Jesus we serve. Now, if you're thinking, I've never seen a miracle like that. Why isn't God working in my situation like that? Here's the answer. Tune in. I don't know, but he does, and I'm good with that.
And I'm just going to keep walking towards Jesus. I'm just going to keep walking with Jesus. I'm just going to stay. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to jump ship. I'm going to stay on the boat even though it's in storms. I, I, I trust that Jesus is going to get me to the other side. And you know what your belief will enable you to do? You will see. Because for now, we walk by sight. Or we walk by faith. And someday we will see. But when we get to the other side, we won't be walking by faith anymore. Because we're going to see it all. All that he had prepared for us. All that he wanted for us. All the reasons that he said wait. All the reasons he said no. All the reasons he said not yet. Were for your good and for his glory. Oh, that we would understand the depth of Jesus' love for us. And so you know what the nobleman did? In the last verses we read, he gave his heart to Jesus. And he led the rest of his household to Jesus. Oh, that we would have the faith of this man to go and trust in Jesus. Oh, that we would understand how much Jesus loves us. That we can trust in him and trust in him fully. God has not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. He's not lost track of you. He knows what you're going through, and he's right there with you. And whether it's like sun is shining and you think it never ends, or you're at a celebration of a wedding at the wedding of Cana, or whether you're facing addiction and sorrow and loss, the same Jesus is still with you, and he will see you through to the end. That's why he's worthy to be praised. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.